Welcome to the Voices in Union podcast with Reggie Jackson and Maria Hamilton. Good morning, Maria. It's, it's been a really kind of crazy, busy, bizarre last week. Uh, so, so tell me what you've been up to over this last week. Uh, I've been in nutrition with the kids, and I also took some time to uh, reflect on me and um, to go through some of my grieving process for a lot of um, things being rehashed, being triggered for me. And speaking with, I want to say, 15 of the kids who were actually protesting it's a lot of hurt. It's a lot of pain. Uh, I tried it. I actually tried to talk to as many kids in a community of different nationalities to actually um, to actually see how the trauma is, um, how they're accepting the trauma and where they're putting this trauma that they're holding and um out of the six different children that i spoke to six of them were different nationalities and they all have the same particular type of trauma and hurt that they're actually dealing with um i i felt like the white young lady that I dealt with um, is really struggling. Um, her mom and dad actually opposed her doing the protesting and they tried to solidify why, why the protest is wrong and um, is just a myth. And black people does this all the time, kind of stir up emotions, make people uncomfortable uh, so they can get attention. And uh, she defended the Black Lives Matter movement with her family and told her that the way that they think and the way that they were identifying racism to her was the problem. She literally told her mom, you're the problem. Wow, that, that, that's a powerful statement. Yeah, she told her, you're what I'm marching for. Wow. And maybe after 10 or 15 minutes, because she actually recorded it on live. Mm. And she said that... Uh, I see now that I can't have a conversation with you about black lives being killed by the police and get uh, have a perspective where we can agree to disagree, mm-hmm. but not have ignorance in the conversation. So I'm going to my room. Wow. You know, I, I think there's probably quite a bit of that going on behind closed yeah. doors. Yeah. You know, there, there's a lot of people with all of these happy feelings about, you know, all of these woke white folks all of a sudden 
But, you know, I've been thinking quite a bit about how these things normally play out. And we know that there's going to be a backlash against these protests at some point. There's a lot of angry white people sitting out there right now talking to each other and not really talking publicly because it's not really, you know, nobody's sticking a mic in front of their faces trying to hear their opinions right now. But they are having those conversations in their homes. You know, I've heard from several people I know that they've just basically just, they can't even have conversations with their friends and family members and neighbors because it's just too frustrating to hear all of these ignorant comments that people continue to make despite all of this stuff that's going on, all of the so-called awareness that's taking place. There's still a lot of white people entrenched in their old beliefs mm-hmm. and they're not going to shift from those beliefs. And I'm really proud of that young person for speaking to, to you know, her parents in that way, because that's actually, actually what we need. We need to have at least this younger generation uh, basically tell their parents that I don't agree with you. I mean, it, it reminds me of yeah. stories I heard of how, you know, young protesters back in the 60s that were protesting the war in Vietnam and their parents were telling them, you can't go out there and protest and all this other stuff. It, it's almost like this happening again. But unfortunately, if you remember correctly, all of those Vietnam protesters uh, grew up to be people who didn't really care about social justice too much after that, because uh, once they became parents, then their concerns uh, shifted to something completely different. So I'm really concerned that people are going to be given a false sense of white wokeness that there's like a majority of white people that are woke because polls are showing that they agree that police brutalize black people more than white people and stuff. And that's all fine and dandy for now, in the moment. But how long is they going to last? Right. Because she actually made a statement and did a facts check with her mom telling her that, yes, white people are killed by police officers. But what you're not seeing is the numbers and the data and her mother was like, well, I have data that more white people are being killed by police. She said, I'm not arguing that fact. And no, I don't want to see your data because your data is incorrect. Mm. Mm. I know from just being in the protest and being around educators and people who have been walking with us that black people ain't dumb. You know what I'm saying? Y'all sitting up here thinking that all black people are dumb and they're criminals or something. She said they're very smart, they're very driven, and they're very educated about what we're marching for. And she said, your data is none and void in this conversation, and I don't want to see it because, yes, white people are dying at the hands of police, but black people are dying at a higher rate. And mm-hmm. white people are the m- majority. So, yes, it's going to look like um, that there's a problem in the data that you want to show me because it's more white people in America than it is black people. Right. But and black think, people are dying at a faster rate. Right. And, and think about this. What th- This is the message I'm getting for the, from those people that are saying that. Mm-hmm. They don't care that white people are dying at the hands. No, that's no. not a problem to them. They're actually okay with that. Yeah, I don't have a problem with anybody dying unnecessarily yes. at the hands of police, especially yes. unarmed people. There's no reason 
that people should be getting tased and dying, that people should be calling for a wellness check for their family members and that person ends up dead. I had a conversation with a friend last week where she told me about two people that she knew uh, that had their families call 911 for a wellness check mm-hmm. because their, you know, their friends or family members, whatever, were not taking medication. And mm-hmm. both of them ended up getting shot and killed by the police. These are two white people. So that's telling me these people are saying those things. They don't even care the white people are being killed by the police. They're okay with it. Like, like that's the police job to kill people. That's not their yeah. job. That's the last yeah. thing they should but, be doing is killing people. But you know, the histories of police were the oppressors against the slaves and they were actually put in place because they didn't have money and the uh, slave owners didn't want the blood on their hands and they didn't want to have personal relationships with the slaves. So these people were supposed to be the slave watchers and prosecutors for whatever they did or did not do while they were on that plantation. And even now... Yeah, yeah. That's how we feel in this community that you're invading our space. You don't live here. You don't know the culture of black people. And and I hate the fact that they tag black people and where we live as an urban area. Right, right. You know, those those are cold words to, to help people say racist stuff without sounding like they say right because they don't want to say the word black which Mm -hmm. their ancestors gave us that tag we didn't Mm -hmm. ask to be called black right my skin isn't black yeah last time i checked mine isn't either some of my (laughs) hair is hey i can do without urban or the black tag you know know, i don't I don't even like the, I hate the term ghetto to describe where we live. It drives what? me crazy. Every what? time I hear somebody say ghetto, it drives right. me crazy. This is what I tell tell people all the time. You know, they, they talk about some horrible thing that happened and you know in the ghetto, and I'm like, listen, y'all giving the ghetto a bad name. I right. live in what people describe as the ghetto my entire life here in Milwaukee. And believe me, I love it. If this is yes. what the ghetto is, then you know what? I'll take the ghetto. It's not a bad place to live. I love it. I love my neighbors. I love the community that I live in. And I feel perfectly safe where I live. People think the Sherman Park neighborhood is so horrible. I've been living over here uh, for almost 20 years. And I haven't had any major issues. And, you know, for for people to to act like the so-called hood or the ghetto, I hate that term too, the hood. What the heck is the hood? Every neighborhood is a hood. Hood is in the name of every neighborhood. But we want to talk about the hood as if it's some horrible, bad place. That's a reflection on what people think they know about those neighborhoods. And most of them have never been to those neighborhoods. Absolutely. Don't tell me about what it's like in the hood when you have never even been in the hood. You know, that just that irritates the crap out of me. And I've known many people that have talked about black neighborhoods being so horrible until they get there. And then they're like, wait a minute, this isn't what I expected. This isn't what Mm -hmm. I thought. Stop watching all these stupid movies and TV shows that make it look like every black person is doing something wrong. 
when a majority of black people, just like a majority of everybody else, is just getting up every day and living their lives and trying to survive and trying to provide for their family members. That's what most of us are doing. Don't let a, a handful of people be a reflection of the whole community when we black. But when, when a white person commits a crime, it's not a reflection on the whole white community. Absolutely. When a black person does, it's like, there they go again. They're killing black. each other. No, you're not going to lay that on me. I've never black. killed anybody. Don't right. say it's black people are killing each other. No, one black person killed another black person. Just like yesterday, a white person killed a white person. But we never hear anybody say white on white crime. But right, they always love to talk about black on black crime. White people kill right. each other. Black people right. kill each other. I mean, it, it's, know, it's, we don't have a monopoly fear, on it. I, I think for me, my fear isn't in the black communities. I get anxiety and tense up when I'm in y'all metro areas, your suburb, the suburban areas. I get anxiety every time I'm downtown. Mm -hmm. And from the time I enter Wisconsin Street on the east side of 41, my anxiety kick in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because I know I'm going to be judged I'll possibly be talked about and there's more of a probability that I may be uh, profiled for mm-hmm. doing something wrong or being a criminal mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or just being out of place, suspicious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that that's part of our reality that white people don't think of. You know, they talk about how they're afraid to come to certain neighborhoods. There are neighborhoods that I, I avoid. There are places in Metro Milwaukee that I don't like to go to that I feel very uncomfortable in. Right. And I have complete justification uh, for being uncomfortable because I've heard too many stories of people who've been in those spaces. You know, I, I, I had a friend of mine told me this about Shorewood years ago. They said that when, when I got a ticket in Shorewood and I went to court, the traffic court, I walked in that traffic court and I saw several white faces, police officers, judges, people who worked in the court, but all the other faces were black faces. I'm like, it ain't this many black people that live in Shorewood. How are all these black people get right? Right. You know, we know how this works. We, mm-hmm. We're not naive to this. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's, it's something that I think we should do a better job of telling white people. Like, listen, y'all neighborhoods that y'all so comfortable in ain't so great for us. You know, people always ask me questions about what can we do about segregation, Reggie? What can we do? I'm like, listen, that solution ain't having a bunch of black people move out to the suburbs because that's not going to happen in Milwaukee because those are not welcoming communities. They've never been welcoming communities for black folks. A lot of black people I know that have moved to the suburbs have eventually moved back into the city because they're tired of being harassed. They're tired of their kids being treated differently in schools. They're tired of the police following them around. They're tired of going to the store and having people eyeballing them all the time. They don't feel comfortable in the suburbs. So you're not gonna fix segregation by having a bunch of black people move to a place that they don't feel comfortable with in the first place. Right. What do you think, Reggie, about them asking again, allowing, well, having police officers who actually live in Milwaukee start back to be a part of the change um, in the city? I know they've been talking about it on the news. It's a couple of different organizations actually has 
police living in Milwaukee can only be a police officer in Milwaukee. And I get it about the culture, but they go through so people. I, I, I know so many people who apply if they actually are allowed to pass the test, they're harassed, harassed through the training. And then once they get through the training, they're, they're throwing the, they're, they're throwing them in these all white precincts where white people who want to intimidate them and, and just treat them like crap. And these are people that are over you that are giving you your tasks for the day, but you have to please them. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it's a tough job being uh, a black police officer. I know several friends of mine that are either current police officers or retired police officers, and I hear horrible things that they mm-hmm. tell me about their experience as a police officer. You right. know, I, I don't think the state is going to go back and change the law that requires police to live in their communities. I doubt mm-hmm. that that's going to happen because our state legislature, they're not going to do it. That has to come from the state legislature, and we know that's probably not going to happen. And I know that Scott Walker did that intentionally. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it wasn't Scott Walker that did it. It was the state legislature that did it. You know, he couldn't do that without without their their part in it as well. And, you know, when I talk to black police officers that I know, uh, one of the things that I hear consistently is that as an officer, you see a lot of stuff happen that shouldn't be happening. You see a lot of racism on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. You see a lot of things that police officers do that they're not supposed to do, but you're not mm-hmm. allowed to snitch on them. Right. Because if you snitch on them, from what the officers have told me, you are risking your life and your career. You're yep. risking officers not backing you up in a dangerous situation. Right. You're risking right. not being able to advance your career in the police department. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're really in a, in a very difficult spot. Right. But by the same token, they need to be of the mindset that they have to be that barrier between the racist white cops and the citizens. They have to be a protective force. And in many cases, they're not. You know, but, in a lot of cases, I'm sorry, but they're just as bad as the white cops when it comes to mistreating black folks. Right. And that's because of their, their superiors. Mm-hmm. It's not only them uh the police officers their co-workers is upper management that actually um is is allowing this culture this this culture to breathe and they're giving them tasks that they know that that's wrong you know what i'm saying it's like okay if you don't arrest this amount of black person or this that and the other uh i'm going to put you on, on the beat what kind of shit is that and take yeah. money from them you know yeah, what I'm you know saying? that they goes back to what happened when they had all of the traffic stops they were doing right and the doj investigation showed the number of traffic stops right and when they interviewed police officers when the doj was in town and they interviewed police officers and when the aclu did the same thing when they did their lawsuit they consistently found what the police officers told them was that they are required to pull over two people per day, whether they yeah. wanted to or not, whether people yeah. were violating the law or not, they were required right. to pull over two people per day. It wasn't an official quota system because nobody wrote it down. 
but they were pretty much told at the beginning of their shifts, we need two traffic stops per shift from each of you. And the officers are like, they didn't see any value in it. They didn't right. see that that would decrease the amount of crime. They felt really that it was going to be the exact opposite, opposite. that it would, it would poison their relationship with the community even more. And we know that's yeah. exactly what happened. And yeah. we know that it came from the command structure of the Milwaukee Police Department. They like to try to deny it and say that they never did it, but enough police officers told the DOJ that that's exactly what was going on and that they were risking not getting promoted if they didn't do that. So don't tell me that we should blame all of this stuff on individual police officers. These right. guys are told, these women and men are told to do things that they oftentimes don't believe in. But listen, it's your, it, it, you have to follow orders when you're in, in the police department in order to, to maintain your job. And whether you agree or disagree with your orders. I was in the military. I know the same rules apply there. Follow orders. But by the same token, when police officers admitted to the DOJ that that's what was happening, mm -hmm. the police chief tried to deny it and say it wasn't right. true. Chief right. Lynn said that's not true. That, that, yeah. That's not what's going on. Dude, you're just lying about it. Because <laughs> your officers are saying it themselves. With the young man with the knee in the back. Morales come on TV and said that he was following his training. Okay, well, we know that they're not trained when they become police officers to do that. So who who else in the police department is training your police? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because the stuff that he did was something that somebody would do in the military. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't the same thing as having his his knee on the young man's neck, but you got this this child face down on the concrete with both your knees on his shoulder blades from the top of his head with his head in your crouch. Mm-hmm. This this is a question I have, Maria, and I've asked several police officers this. Why is there this necessity to control another human being so, so, you know, adamant a part of the work that they do? Why do they have to put somebody on the ground, face down, all, all the time? What, why is that necessary when a person is not being violent with the police officers, when they're not a threat to the police officers? There's no need to put somebody on a filthy ground, but they do it all the time because that's what they're trained to do. That's part of the problem. Yeah, they feel that they have to put somebody in, in a situation like that, which is, you know, I would hate to be a person who's been placed on the ground by police when I, I just get pulled over for a traffic uh, violation. And next thing I know, I'm laying on the ground uh, face down. Well, I just don't understand. That Jay walked mm -hmm. and came over to the police and was like, I'm sorry, I got a I, I got a disturbing phone call. And yes, I walked against the red hand sign. And before before he could say another word, this man elbowed him, knocked him to the ground, and this man ended up spending a week and a half in intensive care. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. So there's there, I mean, this happened like two or three days ago. So it's still happening. Because, yes, y'all are mad because we're protesting. Mm -hmm. So anybody right now is a target. Right. And, you know, I don't have a problem with the police being mad about the protests. 
What I have a problem with is how they're reacting to the protests. Right. How they're brutalizing people intentionally, right. taking out their anger on citizens who are doing yes. nothing wrong. That's what right. the problem is. Yes. Listen, think about this. And I wrote about this. You got people resisting, you know, the, the current state of policing by protesting against police brutality. And mm-hmm. they're being, then now they're being brutalized by the police that they're telling, you're brutalizing us. And so right. the police respond by brutalizing you even more. Brutalizing people that haven't been brutalized in the past because they've been brutalizing a whole heck of a lot of white folks who yeah. have never had that experience, right? Yeah. And black and black folks are like, see, now y'all know what we feel because right. this happens to us all the time. These types of tactics but we see police, on a regular basis. But but the men with the rifles, the right wing, who, who walk around with these these uh, assault rifles, y'all mm-hmm. don't fight them. Yeah, yeah, they're not a threat. They're walking around with an AR-15 over their shoulder. I saw what? a guy, I don't know what state he was in. This man had a bazooka over his shoulder. A bazooka. And somehow they're not a threat. They're pushing into the Capitol building in Michigan, you know, right. pushing past the security there. I didn't see rubber bullets being used on them. I didn't nope. see anybody hitting them with batons. I didn't see the police in Michigan or the police in Madison or any other places where, where those so-called protests are being held. Because to me, those weren't legitimate protests in the first place. They right. were just ignorance. Because how are you protesting the government trying to protect you? And right. now you got people that are legitimately protesting and they're being treated completely different. And it's like people have forgotten. You think we forgot? That y'all just let these people walk around with assault rifles? Yeah, and did they have to do Did not put a hand on any of them? They and were y'all actually putting a hand on so many? Yeah. Come on. We we notice. We notice. Yeah. We're going to have to do better. Just stay with them because uh, we're not going to stop protesting. So. So let, let me ask you this, because we're going to be finishing up in a little bit, Maria, um, kind of uh, moving forward. You know, once, once the protests are over and we know they're going to end at some point, uh, then the conversation start about, OK, what what are the real changes that are going to happen? Uh, one of the concerns I have is about who's going to be in those rooms when those conversations are had. Right. Because we know there's been a lot of, you know, people in our community in particular that have been very outspoken about these things. I'm wondering who's going to be invited into the room when those conversations about the real changes happen. And, and I, I know from our history like that the, we don't get in the room the enough. People, not the people that need to be there. So what I plan to do uh, in the foreseeable uh, weeks is to... Uh, me and the moms are going to do a press conference. Uh, I'm going to talk with the common council, uh, some of the residents, some of the leaders to see if we can come to on one accord, uh, for our demands. And we're not asking you're either going to sign on to this or we're going to vote your ass out of office. Bottom line. You know what I'm saying? Because we're not asking you for something that's not needed. So if you don't sign on, hey, there will be a campaign to get you out of office. Secondly, we want to be on one accord. We may ask for seven things, but there are actually two or three things that we want right now. Mm -hmm. And we're going to keep pushing the envelope for one 
or two or three of the seven. And so if we can actually get them in place, get the policies um, uh, going, whatever it is we get first, hey, we're going to deal with that. And we have a group of, we'll have a group of people that's actually ready to uh, work on those practices and policies or whatever it is, whether it's education, whether it's mental health, we're trying to align people to actually help the community as we go forward. And we get these things that we're, we won't. Ain't no more asking. You know what I'm saying? We, we have a group of kids that are telling us, okay, if y'all doing that, we can at least be in the streets. It don't matter if it's, it's, it's 14, 15 days or if it's 200. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, th- this is my primary concern about what's going to happen next. We already have a, a, a bevy of recommendations that the Department of Justice put mm-hmm. in place when they were here in 2015. I mean, I've read, I just recently read through uh, a lot of that mm-hmm. uh, report that was what? linked to the journal Sentinel. I've read a lot of recommendations that have been in place since 2015. They right. have not been implemented. I remember very clearly talking to people from the ACLU here and talking about the the requirements in place as a result of the lawsuit they filed that have been in place for a number of years. Requirements, court-ordered mandates that have not happened. So I'm I'm cautioning people like, listen, man, we have recommendations up the yin-yang. We have, you know, uh, legal mandates that the police Mm -hmm. department has not followed in Milwaukee. We have recommendations from the Department of Justice that have not been followed. I, I, I'm telling people, listen, man, just because people are protesting and making these demands and, and, and have these goals set, it does not mean it's going to happen. The track record for the Milwaukee Police Department when it comes to these things is not very good. Right. Don't expect some sudden shift all of a sudden, especially when you have a, a chief who's been right. very defensive of the police department and who acts as if they can't do anything wrong. Right. And and I think for us, we're we're getting ready to be at war with the police union. Mm-hmm. Because nothing is going to happen as long as they have the power that they have. Mm-hmm. And with all the millions and millions of dollars and all these huge corporations like uh True Value and and, and um Home Depot that's putting 30 and 40 million dollars into Trump to get him back in office. Yeah, it's going to be a rough ride. I didn't already uh, got my boxes ready with my winter clothes because I already know we'll be fighting and marching and still going through this shit back in December. <laughs> ain't going to be no Christmas because we, we, what we need to do is just stop buying. So, Maria, you telling me you canceling Christmas already? Oh, Christmas is happening. <laughs> I, I literally ain't spent no money on Good Friday for six years. My friends don't get gifts or none of that stuff. I wait until January. Because <laughs> all of their birthdays is like February, this, that, and the other. I just add more money or more gifts. <laughs> Wow. Well, you know, we, we, we got a lot of stuff uh, to talk about over these coming weeks and months. Yeah. 
and uh, it's like every day is something new, right? Absolutely. So, you know, we, we're going to go ahead and, and finish up this segment. Uh, you know, I, I, I would say that, you know, I, I appreciate what you and, and, and your family has been doing, being out there, you know, on the front lines of this. You know, I, I tell people, and I'm not ashamed to tell anybody, listen, I have not been out there for any protests. Mm-hmm. I'm still concerned about the coronavirus. I'm right. still not believing that the coronavirus is something that can't take my life. I've right. known enough people that have died here in Milwaukee. Absolutely. My father was sick with the coronavirus, and I'm not messing with the coronavirus for anybody. I'm sorry. I, I will I will adamantly uh, advocate for the protests from afar, but I'm not putting my life in jeopardy uh, because I think that I'm, you know, the, the work that I do is much too important for me to end up laying in somebody's hospital. And so I applaud the people that are doing it. I just hope people are taking the necessary precautions to be safe uh, as much as they can be in those situations. You know, the tear gassing by the cops is not helping because it's making people cough and sneeze. Right. Which helps to spread the virus. Well, so, I put social distancing. Me and Gwen was on the sidewalk. We were walking <laughs> near the people. And uh, my very first protest with them, I was in my car. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've been to the doctor since I had Frank Gideon's Frank in my car. Because <laughs> yeah. a lot of people had surrounded the car, you know what I'm saying, out of concern for that situation. So, yes, right. I, I've had a physical. Okay, that's great. That's great. So, you know, um, we talked about a lot today and, you know, yeah. there's a lot of, a lot of emotions and, in, in, in stuff that's going on. Yeah. Uh, but you know, when we meet the next time, Maria, uh, there'll be new stuff to talk about. Right. I mean, it's, it's never ending, but yeah. I, I think that regardless of what happens over this next, you know, week or so, um, we're going to have some more important things to share. Uh, during our conversations, I always enjoy our talks, these early morning talks that we do. Uh, yeah. Feels good to see you. Feels good to see your energy level up this morning. Right. Uh, you know. <laughs> and I just did 10 hours, and it's like I'm, I'm lit right now. Might as well just yeah. stay woke for a couple of hours. You, 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 what, did you drink a, like a, a boatload of coffee this morning or something? No. Because you seem to be on a whole other level this morning. I haven't had any. <laughs> I haven't had any coffee. It's just life. So you you, you got like natural caffeine just built yeah. into your body. I, I think I have but I want to give some of it to some people. <laughs> it's some people that need it, believe me. Okay, okay. <laughs> have them inbox me. Yeah, yeah. Let's definitely do that. Well, until next time, Maria. All right. Have a great day. Be safe. Uh, say hi to the family for me. And uh, okay. we'll talk again soon. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Okay.